Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. And so in an, especially in an industry like this with a lot of complexity, it really helped to not be afraid to ask those questions. And that was my biggest challenge at first. I don't want to show them how stupid I am. Well, it's pretty obvious that I'm not coming in as an expert. So, you know, that was a gift in some ways. They didn't expect me to know. And so I had permission to ask the questions. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Being a CPA is challenging, there's no doubt. And when I reflect on CPAs and their challenges and try and simplify their situation as much as possible, I can distill a few key problems. And those are being a generalist, billing instead of pricing, and focusing too heavily on the past. If you can figure out your niche, learn to price, and begin to forecast and focus directly on improving the future, if you can do those things, many of your problems will go away. My guest today is Jeannie Whitehouse, Countess of Communication at BDCo CPA. I invited Jeannie to come on because she's on the other side of many of these challenges, and I wanted to tap her expertise and her insights. Jeannie, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Hi, Geraldine. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you. So for our listeners, in case they haven't heard you speak before or don't know about you, give us a bit more of your background, who you are and what you do, just to set the stage. So I started in accounting with Deloitte. I started right out of school in tax for Deloitte. I spent a number of years with Deloitte. Then I left and went into corporate tax. Then I fiddled around and did a bunch of different stuff and ended up in a small CPA firm in Atlanta. I grew the practice and became partner in tax. At that point, the day I became partner, I decided I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do taxes anymore. And I was really frustrated by my inability to drive outcomes for clients. I hated handing somebody a tax return that said, you owe a bunch of money. I felt terrible about it. I would lose sleep at night going, oh my gosh, they owe money. I can't help them. And I realized that if I stayed as partner, I was committing to do that for the rest of my life. And I would probably die in my chair, overworked and sad. <laughs> so I left and went into high tech. So I'd also been doing computer consulting and working with small businesses on their systems while in that firm. And I realized that's where I made a difference. I could actually impact the outcomes for those companies. I could help people understand the numbers and make a difference. So I started down the road into high tech. I started becoming a teacher instructor and did my first presentation and realized that's what I should have been doing all along is speaking about this stuff. I'm better at talking about it than actually doing it in many cases. And so 
I really harnessed that and took training, took stand-up comedy to get better at speaking and invested in skills that would make me better and more comfortable in communicating concepts like accounting and tech to people who didn't understand them and therefore didn't benefit from the magic that lies within. Excellent. I love that. How is what you do now then? Well, tell us, tell our listeners where you are now. I'm now in Napa Valley, California, through some unbelievable miracle. I ended up out here and working with wineries in Napa Valley with a CPA firm part of the time. And then the rest of the time I'm speaking, I have a bookkeeping business that's remote bookkeeping and also working with tech companies who are trying to communicate what they have for people who are not nerdy technicians like me. Gotcha. So you've got your fingers in a few pots. A lot of pots. So let's stay in the winery piece um, because I think for a lot of CPAs, it's there's a powerful force of generalism for a variety of reasons. And reluctance to niche, there's a lot of fear around niching. So can you talk about the experience of working right inside a niche and what that is like and what the benefits are? Yeah, so I, my prior CPA firm experience was a little bit of everything. And I lived that. And, and every time I went on a new client gig, I was learning all about the business and trying to understand the unique requirements of that business. I didn't build this niche. I fell into it in 2007. I met up with some people that I'd been in contact with and through prior training around advisory services. And so they asked me to come help them in this niche. And it's a niche, by the way, that I'm from the South, South Carolina and high-end fine wine in Napa Valley, something where I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. I bring no, no knowledge of wine. I don't even know how to pronounce much of what they sell. How am I going to help with this? It was really scary, but they already had this established. And so I said, okay, I do understand accounting. I do have some skills in communicating, but I don't really know the industry at all. And, um, and Craig Underhill, the managing partner, who was an amazing individual with a lot of insight, said, we just need you to get help us get the word out. And you have a lot of skills there and you understand accounting, so we can figure it out. Said, okay. Um, and the beauty, I mean, every time something happens now, for this industry, I can connect the dots. So during COVID, during all of the ridiculous stuff coming out in terms of legislation and regulations and benefit programs, I know exactly what my winery folks need, what this industry needs. And I can connect the dots immediately between that offering and them. And I can specifically tell them how this relates to their business. It was a luxury I never had before. And because we're immersed in over and over again, clients with similar issues and manufacturing which is the production process and the farming and all of those things, we can really focus our education so that I get more and more efficient very fast. So I learned that by basically diving in with no knowledge, asking a bunch of stupid questions, which by the way, Geraldine is my number one strength. I am not afraid to be the dumbest person in the room. I'm never the smartest. And I immediately admit that. I mean, I hear, listen to me. Do I sound like I know about your stuff? You do. And my job is to ask the questions that help you share those insights that you have as a client. And so that is the biggest strength that I think we as accountants can bring to bear on clients. And so in an, especially in an industry like this with a lot of complexity, um, a lot of moving parts, it really helped to not be afraid to ask those questions. And that was my biggest challenge at first. I don't want to show them how stupid I am. Well, it's pretty obvious that I'm not coming in as an expert. So, you know, that was a gift in some ways. They didn't expect me to know. And so I had permission to ask the questions, but it's a huge benefit. Anytime there's a law change, I can focus on, okay, here's how it impacts these 
particular people with this kind of a setup in terms of how their winery business functions. And I'm able to get you know, information that resonates with them versus some of the competitors in this area who are working across companies. You can't be an expert in understanding all the dimensions of those different businesses as easily, I don't think. Can you, can you talk a little bit about where the edges of your niche are and are not? Because I think there's not just the industry, but there's also the size of the business within that industry. So like, what's the smallest winery that you might take on and what's the largest winery at which point you might graduate them off to a bigger shop? We start from the smallest and go up in our space and we look at case size and revenue, but it's really, we'll start with a startup winery that's looking to form a niche in this space. And, you know, Napa Valley is a concentrated geography. So it's a very unique situation. They're all right here around us. And we've really tried to scope our, our client base down to this valley because of the unique costing and everything else about being here because it's where we live. But we don't go all the way to, we're not competing with the big four, with the big, huge corporate folks. We want to work with companies where we can make a difference. And those tend to be from the very beginning startup folks to people who have teams but aren't in bigger corporate organizations. So we have, you know, incorporated smaller wineries that have complexities, but that want more individual attention than some of those larger, you know, S&P 500 kind of people. We don't go there. So we're not looking for publicly traded companies. We're looking at, and in this valley, the majority of people are still family-owned businesses, estate-grown fruit, so they have a farming operation, We like people that have teams because we can help move those teams forward, but that doesn't mean we won't take those clients on. So, you know, it's not that restrictive, but we know where we're the right fit. So we spend a lot of time on the interview meeting to make sure that people need what we have to offer. Oh, great. I love that. Okay. I want to come back to that. Um, I want to stick in the the boundaries of the niche for a moment and ask, this is like slightly kidding, but also slightly serious. Would you, I mean, do you take wineries over in Sonoma or Russian river or, you know, and how about like Southern California, where do you draw the line? Uh, We have done selected projects for those folks. I've done some work in, in people in Temecula, for example, and I've done some training and things in Sonoma and different places, but those people it's really interesting that we tend to be sort of focused on our geographical area. At least we were prior to COVID. And so they have their own resources in those markets. And we tend to be the ones that are sort of owning this space. And again, uniquely for Napa Valley, the geography is very important. And we work with the, the supporting associations for our wineries. And so it's all sort of a nice loop. We work with the nonprofits that support the wine industry. We work with people who, provide software for the wine industry. So we work with all the ancillary products around the industry as well to make sure that our clients are being served. So it, it keeps us busy. We have enough wineries right here. We've got them all. We wouldn't need to do anything else. It's like fish, shooting fish in a barrel. I, not that I shoot fish well, in a barrel. Well, yeah, I know, but we have to deliver. But, but it, I mean, there's so many right here. It's, yeah. it's almost overwhelming sometimes to think about it. It's, it's very different from other folks, but you can do the same thing virtually. You don't have to have the geographical benefit. Okay. And so for listeners and me too, Temecula, is that where you are or is that Southern California? Temecula is Southern California. Okay. There's wineries. There's wineries everywhere now. Yeah. But some of the issues that are unique to different winery markets require sometimes people to have local expertise. Okay. So if a winery from the Willamette Valley called you, you'd probably say, you know what, we're not in your space. 
It depends on what they needed. I can help them with certain things, but you know, it's just, we still value the, the personal relationship. And I think a lot of people do on some level. And there are some things, if you just need somebody to give you a costing spreadsheet, for example, I can help you with that. But if you need more things, then we would consider it. I don't turn people away right out of the chute, but they don't tend to find us. What would you say to those who are scared to niche? They need to decide what they most enjoy about the work they do and align around that. So there are lots of people saying you must niche, be very specialized in all sorts of things. I think we get to define what that means to have a niche. And it might be, so I have friends that do just e-commerce. That's a niche. Even though it's not an industry, it's a functionality that we focus on. I think you can carve out a niche around whatever you care the most about and whatever's accessible to you and whatever has the most interesting things going on and where the opportunities are. And I think you're free to define that for yourself. Don't let anybody else tell you, you must do this to have a niche. What you need is the ability to focus and really define your own expertise so that you can be the most effective and valuable to those clients, because that's what we're after, Geraldine. It's the value improvement. I want to make the biggest difference for my clients. And if I'm trying to do that across a bunch of different types of clients, it's much harder. And this focus gives me the ability to really do that. And I didn't know how much of a benefit it was until I actually started doing it. Awesome. So let's dig into the benefits. How do you focus? How do you improve value more specifically when you're focused? Everything that I do is only about wineries. Everything that I write, everything that I teach, I teach at educational institutions. I do workshops for wineries. And, you know, and I'm competing in, in quotes with other instructors who are just teaching core accounting and trying to make it fit in wineries with no experience. So when I come to something, I'm living it every day, both in my bookkeeping business and in the CPA firm, I'm working on winery stuff all the time. So I have the benefit of seeing it across multiple companies. So, I mean, teaching accounting is one thing, but teaching accounting for wineries is very, very different. And I'm established as somebody who gets their life. When I stand up in front of people, I know what they're suffering with. I know how this rule applies to them. I know the the chaos and confusion of trying to get licenses in this industry. I know, you know, what software works for them and what doesn't. I convened a group of 77 people using a single software product, compiled their complaints and took them to the software vendor. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you can do. You can fix all the issues. You can get into deep issues to, again, provide more value. So now if somebody has an issue, they know to come to us. So you, you don't have to do a lot of marketing when you're doing that because you're the person on the panel every time talking about what you live and breathe every day. So you're not having to waste a lot of time proving to people that you're an expert. You just show it. Love that. Also talk about financially the amount of value that you can help create in a winery because you know their problems and there's the solutions they need inside and out. You know, that's the, that's the big thing that I had to get straight in my head. I don't know the solutions and I don't know how to tell a business what to fix. I have ideas. I have lots of ideas. But if I come in and tell you as a business owner who's invested everything that you own in this business, what to do, you're going to fight me because what do I know? But what I do is come in and help you see the answers that you really already have. I give you data points. I help you pull out the information so you can make better decisions. So again, my strength is being the dumbest person in the room. I just can't emphasize that enough. That doesn't mean I don't know things. But when it comes to your unique business, I don't know things. I know how to help you 
bring your team together. So if you tell me your revenue goal is X, I can help you design training for your team so they understand how they contribute to driving those revenues. I can teach them financial concepts. I can show them what levers to push to get to those outcomes. But I'm not the person who knows your business. You are as my client. So my job is to ask questions in a different way that help you get to your own insights. It's really just like being a therapist, Geraldine. I mean, we're therapists. Accountants are, are you know, we're, the therapist never comes in and says, just divorce that jerk, you know, and, and go on with your life. Why are you wasting your time? You know, they say, well, how do you feel when so-and-so calls you an idiot or whatever it is? You know, they ask you a bunch of questions and eventually go, yeah, why am I in this? You know, whatever. Or why am I doing this to myself or whatever? So it's those insights that we all have natively and our clients have. And our job is to come help them capture them and document them and put data behind them and, and get teams aligned with them and all of that. And that's where the fun is. I really don't have to know it all. I just have to know how to ask. Yeah, it's such a relief when you don't have to know everything and you just ask the right questions. Yes. So can you give us some examples of how you ask questions in a different way? Like what are some of the questions that you do ask that, um, that sort of reframe things for your clients? Well, we have this methodology that we use and it's one of the methodologies that I'm now, by the way, training people in. And it's based on the level five advisor certification and a company called Mentor Plus taught me. This is how I know this CPA firm at all. We were both in this same training together back a long time ago. And the first question, the first thing we do, I have a client come to me and say, I need help with a budget, if it, let's say, or a potential client. I go, okay, well, let me ask you a couple of questions before we dive, dive into the spreadsheet that I'm really itching to get into, by the way. I really want to do a spreadsheet as fast as possible, but I'm going to pull myself back and I'm going to ask you first, why are you a winery? And they look at me with this confused, huh? Aren't you an accountant? Can't we just do the budget? No, because I can't build a budget or a forecast or a plan for a winery if I don't know why it is that you exist. So we start with the Simon Sinek, why do you exist? What is it you're about? And, and then we have a, a methodology that we use that asks, what's working in your financial aspects of your business, what's working in the customer aspects, what's happening in operations, what about people, and what's your end in mind, which is then tied to that why. And we do a little bingo card where we fill in the works, the doesn't work, and the ideal outcome in each of those areas. And once I finish that interview, they always go, and, and Craig and I, the managing partner, sit in these meetings together generally, and they'll look up at us and go, wait, you're accountants, right? <laughs> and that's when we go, yes, we did it. Um, they see us differently. And so we position ourselves in that initial conversation as going beyond the spreadsheet to get to the budget. And so that elevates the value in their mind and gives us permission to understand the business before we drive to solve the symptom that they're displaying. And we help them step back and realize what's really going on. It's usually something other than the financial problem that has to be fixed. So once they start seeing you a bit differently than a traditional old school accountant, then what? I mean, how does that, it sounds to me like the, you know, like the whole interaction, the nate, the dynamic changes. Well, then they start salivating. Well, well, tell me what to do with this. You're asking me these things. Now, what can you do? And we go, well, we're not the cheapest. We're not traditional accountants and we're not going to be cheap. And they go, well, what is your fee? And, and when can we get started? I mean, it really, it, it's, it's a different conversation. And, and then we go, well, here's our processes generally that we'd sit down and, we, you know, we'll help you we'll document this stuff. And then we'll look at what you're trying to do and see and get you to help us figure out where you want to focus 
then we'd like to get your team engaged at some point. But if you just want the budget, we can certainly start with that. But what's going to happen in that process is we're going to uncover stuff that's probably causing you to not be able to meet it in the past. Or, you know, we'll look at your financials and tell you what's, but we're also going to show you some critical performance indicators, key KPIs, key performance indicators that are going to show you as you go along where you're falling off the rails. And then we're going to show you what to do, how to fix them. And that's when they go, we want that. And then we have some tools we bring up that make their eyes pop out of their head. And then it's pretty much, um, it's a different conversation. And then we'll get you a proposal based on what we know. We typically start with an initial engagement. And here's what we do to do some investigation, depending on what it is you want. And then we can recommend some other steps. If they just want a tax return, we say, you know, we do the taxes, but we have these other programs where we actually give you benchmarking against your peers in the Napa Valley. We create our own normalized data and we will benchmark your specifics against others in our industry in the Valley. And we do it by case count. So we compare you to others like you. And those are the kind of things that we offer that other people don't. I love this. You're the second person to tell me that their clients, their prospects, when they start having these conversations, the client starts salivating. The, the, yeah, it's, it's what it's like. It's not like it used to be when you say, how much is your tax return? You get a call over the phone and we go, well, we, don't, we don't compete on price. We're a different firm. And if you want to come have a conversation, we'll be happy to have it. And here's the kind of stuff that we do. And our engagement letter starts, our proposals and engagement letters start with our why. We start, here's why we exist. And the gist of it is we, we think employees matter. We think our clients know more than we do. And we think the, the Napa Valley is special and we want to support it. That's our mission in life is to make our local area better. Yeah, that's a wholesale different sort of top of engagement letter than most of us have ever seen. And that would grab anybody who cares about the same things. Let's, let's just touch on pricing just a little bit. When a client starts salivating, they're like, oh my God, yes, like how soon can we start? Thank you, somebody finally gets me. And it sounds like, you know, the, like it's already sold, right? And so you don't say, you know, okay, good, it's 175 an hour. What, what do you say? <laughs> so if, we have, if it's a tax engagement, we have a set of price tiers that you can choose among. If it's an advisory, it depends on what they want. So I could say it's a half day meeting, here's the price. Okay. We do a half day meeting if they don't know their why, which is typically the case in a lot of cases. Okay, okay, our first thing we need to do is convene a group of leaders. It's a half day meeting and here's the price. And they go, great, when can we get started? If It depends on what, what we're trying to do. And if they want a budget, we say, okay, and you have the why and here's what we're trying to do. Then we do, you know, the budget, we typically have a fixed price, a value fee for that, that, that we know. We don't have it all figured out though, Geraldine. You know, when it comes to some of the work, some of the stuff where we're doing real accounting where we're digging into the books, which we do a lot. I mean, we have an audit practice in tax. So clearly there's a bunch of stuff. We've got a big messed up set of information. We're still kind of doing an hourly fee on that, which, you know, is something we're trying to change. Yeah. Okay. But that's how people are. We've convinced our client base as a profession that the work we do is tied to the hours we spend. And so it's a huge challenge for us to undo that training. Yes. Yep. And it takes time and it's, it's a process. It doesn't happen with a flip of a switch overnight. That's right. It, and it sounds like you have some menu pricing though, for people who want ongoing services. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. You can get basic tax return. And we also have an audit protection option. And we have this, this access to this comparative benchmark. That's an additional la- layer of service. So it's a VIP kind of service where you get the benchmarks and conversations around it. And in all of our cases, we have basically unlimited, we don't charge you for the phone call 0.5 minutes for whatever. We have 
broader perspective on that. We want you to call us. Yeah, exactly. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, we want you to call us. We don't want to put in a disincentive for you to call us when there's a crisis where we can help. Right. Don't call us when we have, don't call us when you have problems. Yeah, because we're going to charge you. We've trained them again. It's a disincentive for you to call me when you have a problem. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, great. Let's go over to, I mean, honestly, like you could keep a running tally of all the ways that hourly billing is doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, let's talk about forecasting because this is like such an area of deep desire for clients. And yet, you know, CPAs don't come into it typically with any sort of formal training or much formal training on forecasting. So how did you begin to fold this into your services? Well, this is um, a scary thing for us accountants because we can't tie back to anything, right? It's the future. It's assumptions. It, it, there's nothing to tie to. So that's first the scariest part. But so we got into the wine industry and our firm has been doing these forecasts and cash flow planning for winers for a long time in spreadsheets and stuff. Um, we have some expertise in doing that. We understand the business and so we can do it. But it's a huge input requirement, a lot of time to do those individually. And so since I've been here and I do a lot of technology speaking and things. So I'm out in conferences all the time. I have been on a search from the beginning for a forecasting tool that would make this easier. I have looked at all of them. I do training classes for wineries and forecasting and budgeting. I've found some spreadsheets I had to create and tweak, but I finally, there's a product that's come out that we use for dashboards and KPIs that has just released a forecasting module. I worked with that company and I kept saying, I need a forecasting tool. And they were saying, we're developing it. I looked at what they did when they produced it. And I went, You've nailed every single thing that I need. Uh, it's a product called Fathom HQ.com is their website. They have the best, I think, dashboard engine. It has what ifs, which is what we want. We don't want a report or graph. We want something I can move things and show the impact. And this is one of the only tools I've found that does that easily with financial data. We use that to set the path for what we're going to change. And then we come in with some details of how to do it. But they've added a forecasting module that integrates directly to QuickBooks Online. You can pull in your actuals. You can build the detailed bottoms-up budgets that I need for my client base and then add scenarios and all kinds of stuff. They had everything that I wanted when they released their first product. And it just came out this year. And so, I mean, this bottoms-up thing, this taking the revenue and forecasting it by case and by varietal and by channel, none of the other tools I've looked at have that built in. So they just, you just started with a revenue number in a box. Well, half the work is in getting the revenue number. I want a model that lets me do that. So um, I was disappointed. I looked at everything. And, and a lot of these tools are doing advisory training around their tools. And there's some great things like LivePlan does some really cool stuff with the full business plan. Great company. Um, I've looked at Profix. I've looked at um, Giraffe, J-I-R-A-V. I mean, I've looked at every product trying to make it fit in the wine industry and there was something off on all of them. It was too hard. It was too. And Fathom just takes what you have and lets you quickly get to something, including all this bottoms up stuff. So, and I'm sure there might be some other tools, but I mean, I've been on an exhaustive search for a long time and I'm just thrilled this year. We finally have something that I think will work. Excellent. I love it. Not to mention the beautiful pun with the bottoms up. Um, what, what do clients say? <laughs> what are they, like, what are they, when they see this stuff, what do they say? Because I, this is, I think the, there's a gap in here between, I think, I think CPAs underestimate just how much clients love this stuff, even if it's not exactly accurate and doesn't forecast the future like a crystal ball. Well, you know, our orientation is so detailed. We want it to be right down to the penny. And a, and a business owner is typically wired differently from us 
They want the big picture to be nailed, nailed down for them. And they don't really care about all the underpinnings. And we spend so much time worrying about all of that, that we don't ever release the final product. It takes us too long or we never trust it or we, you know, we don't have the conversation or whatever. And so Fathom both gives me this high level overview that the CEO loves and then this build this details so of how we can make it happen. So the combination of those two works beautifully for them. But I mean, we have some internal tools that we've been using for a long time. We have a, a member of our team who's the profit profit, and he's the, the spreadsheet expert who can build amazingly detailed budgets for different kinds of, of wineries and, and cash flow forecasts, which is the biggest issue, by the way, in the wine industry. So they love this stuff and they build their business around it because it's what they're struggling with. And that right now becomes 5,000 times more important because cash is, is a pain. I mean, we've all suffered through no cash. And so having that built into full financial statement forecast is a big offering. And so they love that stuff. It's one of the things that often come to us just for that. They come to you just for that. Just for the forecast, for the cash flow forecast. And again, we have the benefit of unique focus on that. We pretty well have that figured out. But we're also looking at ways to make it easier to do it faster. So that's why we're on the search for the dashboard and all the other things. So, you know, you say they build their business around it. That sounds like an, a big deal. Um, what else would they say in their words? What else does it help them do? Well, it gives them peace of mind. I mean, if I know five years out, I'm going to see a, a positive return. And this is, by the way, how long it takes in the wine industry, five years to get to positive cash flow. We can show them how that's possible. From the start, like from when you're planting your shoots in the ground? Yeah. Yeah. And depending on, and most of ours are estate wineries, wineries, which means they're growing their own fruit in a vineyard, which is the most costly way to get into the wine industry. I've got fruit, I've got planting, I've got stuff. I've got to wait five years for that crop that I plant this year to turn into a sellable product. So that's five years of bunch of cash tied up before I can see cash coming back, unless I can do something in between, which is what we look at when we're doing a cash flow model. Or if I've got a vineyard that's already got producing fruit or, or different things. So there's lots of different factors that you have to consider, but that's what we know as a, as a firm doing this. And so when they can see that there's a positive cash flow possibility, then okay, then that's what I need to do. And then you need to build the, the, the budgets for a year to get to that point. But without that, you're shooting blind and you could be pouring a bunch of money down a black hole without any sense of when it stops. Because that's, I mean, basically without a forecast, that's what business owners are doing. I mean, so you can basically just imagine that 95% of business owners are just shooting blind and on a hope and a prayer that their business is going to have positive cash flow someday. Yeah. Somebody wrote the book, Hope is Not a Strategy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, so I think a lot of CPAs are a little bit scared off by forecasting, like you say, because it doesn't tie back to something. But yet that's where so much value is for the client. So what would you say to a CPA who's like, I know I need to jump on that train. Just help me get on. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm a product um, salesperson, but I am. I mean, this product has been the answer to my prayers for a long time, this Fathom product. And I started selling a product that did these things back in 2000 because it let me show clients where they could go if they changed factors. So there's a product called ACPAC CFO, which is how I really got into the, the level five advisory. I found this product that could let me have a conversation with clients to show them what to do to fix their whatever issue and create a forecast and other stuff as well. And then I realized that the accountants didn't know what to do with it. So I had to find a way to train them on the other skills before they would buy my software. So then I connected and anyway, that led to everything that I'm doing now. But then this product has come out um, on the cloud and all those things. And it has those same kind of capabilities built in as well. It facilitates the conversation and it gave me the confidence to go a place that I wasn't 
naturally comfortable in going. So having a framework where I can take what I know in rows and columns and turn it into a visual and then walking the client through, if you change this, here's what you have to improve to get that to happen with a structure gave me the confidence to go there that I wouldn't have otherwise had. But also the training I've had in advisory, I have tools, I have processes. I know what to do if this problem happens. I know how to guide somebody to finding their answers. I know how to facilitate a discussion with a room full of people to lead them to consensus. I know how to understand different communication styles because I'm trained in it. I use DISC, our firm uses DISC. Our firm is trained in DISC. We know if you speak a different way that you may not need information the way I am used to presenting it. I need to translate it for you because you're, you're wired differently than I am. So those are the things that gives me the confidence. I don't care what you need. I can help you figure out how to find your own answer. That's really what it comes down to. But you need new training. We need, we call it Mentor Plus, calls it mindset, skill set, and tool set. You get trained in all three of those. And that's how you make the shift to advisory. We need tools. We need checklists. We need support for anything we do as accountants. I mean, I needed tools for, for speaking. So I took stand up. I took speaker training. There are processes you can follow to do anything, even comedy, believe it or not, Geraldine. <laughs> so find the tool that works for you and use it. That's how you get the confidence to go into a new unknown territory. I love it. Find a tool and use it. We are going to have to have you back because this has been so valuable. Jeannie Whitehouse, thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. It's all about asking the right questions, Geraldine. Thank you for asking great questions. This conversation was such a great reminder that when you build your business around specific outcomes for a narrow type of business owner, your clarity about where to take your business and how to get there shoots through the roof. If you're ready to build your business around client outcomes, but you're not sure where to start, schedule a single strategy session with me. And in less time than it takes for you to get ready in the morning, you can have a clear sense of what direction to drive your business in so you can stop spinning out all the time. To learn more about this and other ways to work with me, go to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.